Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. First Timothy chapter 3. And we're asking a question. What kind of pillar are you? And you might be thinking, well, what kind of question is that? Well, I think you will have a very clear understanding of what we're talking about here. But first, again, I hope you have, have had great holidays. It was good for Sharon and I to have our daughter home with us. She lives down in Greenville, South Carolina, and we took her back to the airport uh, yesterday. Uh, she flew back and is back down in Greenville uh, this morning. And if you were here last Sunday, you will remember perhaps me saying something about her being here, the sacrifice I had to make for her being here. In that... I said, she will be in my lazy boy in front of my big screen TV all week. Now, we invited our neighbor who was here last Sunday and heard that. I don't know, Luann, are you here this morning? <laughs> Luann, there she is, our neighbor. Good to see you, Luann. Uh, she keeps us awake at night. The music from her house goes uh, all hours of the night. It's terrible. No, just just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> So anyway, Luann heard me say that last week, that Aaron, you know, was going to be in my lazy boy in front of my TV all week. Well, we invited Luann, great neighbor, by the way. We love her. We, we invited her over Christmas morning. She was up Christmas by herself. And I said, well, let's invite Luann over for brunch. And she walks in our living room that morning and walks in and she looks there. She said, you weren't joking, were you? <laughs> And Aaron and my lazy boy said, no, he wasn't joking. I am here and I will be here till I leave. So the little Ann, she said, you weren't kidding, were you? I said, no, there she is. I I said, am I going to get in that chair this week? And Aaron said, no. So anyway, it was good to have Aaron with us. It was sad to see her off, but we enjoyed the time together. We are asking a question this morning, what kind of pillar are you? Because you are. If you are a born-again child of God, you are supposed to be a pillar. You may be a good pillar. You may be a great pillar. But you may have some things going on in your life that make you lack as a pillar. What are we talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14. This is the Apostle Paul. He is writing to his young assistant, Timothy, who we have reason to believe was struggling as a young assistant. Paul is giving him some instructions on how to properly pastor. And he says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, to Timothy, he says, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry, I've written these things, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, In the house of God, and here is the profound statement, the house of God, talking about the local church, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. I can't emphasize enough on this last Sunday of this year, as we are beginning tomorrow a new year, the significance of that statement 
describing the church as the pillar and ground of the truth. He's not talking about the church building being the pillar and ground of the truth. He's talking about you. Every one of you in here this morning that call yourself a Christian, a born-again Christian, you are the pillar and ground of the truth. Will you pause for a moment? Put everything out of your mind, what you've done this past week, what you may do this evening or tomorrow, and take that thought personally, that you are the pillar and ground of the truth? As you will see very clearly in a moment, there's nothing more precious in this world than the truth. Gold, silver, and diamonds pale in comparison to the value that the truth is. You know, 2018 is upon us. And because we've slowed things down a little bit the last week or two, it has given me some time to reflect and to look ahead and think about our goals and ambitions and desires as a church for this next year. And as a pastor, as the shepherd of the flock, I have to think about things as to what should we dedicate our efforts to, our, our energy to, and, and our, our resources to. What is it that we as a church should focus on this year? What, what should we as a church, what should motivate us? What should unite us and, and bring us together? Is there something worthy of, of commitment and, and sacrifice and dedication and devotion to this next year? Is there something that we can all agree upon that we as a church should be pledged to, regardless of its difficulty, adversity, hardship, struggle, or sacrifice? What is it that we as a group of believers come together at Myo Baptist Church be focused on like a laser this next year? Think about it. Consider the fact political parties do this. Political parties, they will strive, they will work, they will sacrifice if necessary to gain public office. Sports teams, they'll do it. They will strive, they will work, they will sacrifice to win games. Businesses do it. They will strive, they will work, they will sacrifice to make profits. How about us? How about us here at Myo Baptist Church? What should we be willing to strive for? To work for? To put forth effort? What should we be willing to sacrifice for? Well, as a church, when we consider God's Word, there, there's lots of things, really. Lots of good goals that should be established for 2018. Multiple goals that we should have next year. And we're going to talk about a very important one this next week. However, there is one thing that we should all be dedicated to because everything else we do will depend upon that one thing. If we don't embrace and understand 1 Timothy 3.15 fully, then really nothing else we do matters because it is the foundation. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us very clearly 
without any ambiguity what we should strive for, what we should work for, what we should dedicate ourselves to. It says in verse number 15, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Two local churches like ours has been given this enormous responsibility really to preserve, protect, and defend the truth. And we need to understand exactly what this means and dedicate ourselves to it fully this next year where we are all united. There is no dissension. There is no debate that our calling as a church is committed to the truth of God. You know, when the President of the United States takes office, he puts his hand on the Bible, and he he swears to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that is a solemn pledge. Well, we need to, with equal solemnity, dedicate ourselves to preserve, protect, and defend the truth. You know, we, as a country, make great efforts to protect our founding fathers' documents. I'm talking about the Constitution. I am talking about the Bill of Rights. I am talking about the Declaration of Independence. Do you understand that you can go to Washington and you can view those, but do you fully understand the enormous measures that are taken to make sure that they are protected? Read you a little bit of an article about that. It says, The U.S. government has altered the way it protects America's founding documents to fit the grim realities of an age of terrorism. Last September, the National Archives reopened to the public after more than two years of renovations which included the installation of a new security system designed to display, preserve, and protect the original copies of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, collectively referred to as the Charters of Freedom. It says the classical vault-like archives building on Constitution Avenue in Washington, D.C., has displayed the charters in a central rotunda since 1951. In July of 2001, before the September 11th terrorist attack on the Pentagon and World Trade Center, the building closed to the public for renovations. The events of September the 11th expanded the scope of the project to include the development of a comprehensive security system for those documents. While archives officials won't discuss the details of the new security design, they will say that Tyco and ADT integrated several major new security technology subsystems. These include an access control system, a closed-circuit television system, and a security center, which monitors the systems. In addition to Tyco, ADT managed the installation of medical detection and x-ray machines at each of the building's two entrances. Finally, the company integrated the intrusion protection technology connected to new advanced technology vaults to be uh, built to protect the charters when they're not on display. After hours, this is interesting, the document cases move on a conveyance system into a higher security vault. 
According to Daibo, the, assess, the assignment included the design and construction of three high-security vaults, one for the Declaration, one for the Bill of Rights, and another, the largest of the three, for the four pages of the Constitution. Security on the project is so tight that neither archive officials nor Debo, the company, executives will discuss the direction or the distance that the conveyance moves or where within the archives buildings the vaults are located. These documents, I say, are worthy of that kind of interest and that kind of effort and that kind of protection. As important as it is for our nation to guard and protect those founding documents, and I think we would applaud their efforts, I mean, to be able to see a handwritten copy of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, yeah, that needs to be preserved. But more importantly than that, and with a greater effort than that, should be our understanding of the importance of us as a congregation being pillars of the truth. In 1 Timothy 3.15, again, it says that we are the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, you may be asking yourselves a question, and I kind of hope you are. What are we talking about here? What is truth? What, what is it? that we as a congregation have a vested interest in that we should even be willing to sacrifice to make sure that it is preserved. Well, back in the New Testament, when Jesus was put on trial, Pilate asked that question. In John eighteen thirty seven. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. That was Jesus' reason for coming, to bear witness unto the truth. Now, I know you have a lot on your minds. You're worried about family and finances and health and, and all that kind of stuff. But somebody has got to preserve and protect and defend the truth. Jesus said that he came to bear witness unto truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And Pilate said to him, and here's the question, what is truth? What is truth? Because you and your spouse, if you're saved, you are responsible as a pillar is to preserve and protect and defend the truth. The Bible answers the question. Pilate asks the question, what is truth? Very profound question. The Bible answers it. First of all, Jesus is truth personified. It is truth embodied. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. So what is truth? Well, In its personified form, it was Jesus Christ. Everything he said was true. What he said, what what he said was was based on reality. Okay? Truth is what corresponds to reality. Jesus. Everything he said, everything he did was ultimate reality. But the Bible also says that truth has been communicated to man. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. With Jesus in his physical form is no longer with us. So we're not here to protect and defend him. But the word of God is. And now we understand. The truth that we are to be the pillar for is the word of God. We're commissioned to be the pillar and ground of the word of God. In 2018, you and I have a vested interest for ourselves personally, for our families, and for our nation, and really for the world, to understand that we are pillars and grounds of the truth. We are pillars and ground of the word of God. That bears a responsibility, folks. You don't tell somebody that you're a pillar and ground of the truth, and you say, okay, and then you go about living your life. It's a responsibility that you have to understand the gravity of and arrange your life to make sure that you are contributing to being a positive force for the truth. Spurgeon said this, You often hear it said at public meetings that truth is mighty and will prevail. I dare say the proverb is true, but if you put a truth away on the shelf and no man mentions it for ages, it will not prevail. He says truth never prevails till some living mind believes it, vindicates it, and proclaims it abroad. And again, folks, I'm talking about you this morning. Whether you're young or whether you are old, understand this responsibility. Because if you don't accept your responsibility, if I don't accept my responsibility, there is a price to be paid. Spurgeon goes on to say, the person who thus takes up a grand truth declares it, fights for it, and makes it known may be very properly called the pillar And the basis of the cause for the spread of the principle depends upon him. That's part of Spurgeon's commentary on the verse that we're looking at this morning. Truth will prevail. But Spurgeon is saying here, it must be proclaimed by those who are believers. Why, why are we thus commissioned to, to be the pillar and ground of the truth? Again, folks, the value of the truth is far greater than anything you might possess or anything you, you might come into possessing. It is far more valuable than gold or silver. You know, if you had gold or silver, you, you would be right to protect it. To secure it, like they secured the documents of our founding fathers. I mean, I would applaud you if you said, somebody gave me a gold bar worth a half million dollars. My first advice was secure that. Make sure that that's taken care of. What we have here this morning, folks, the truth, that which corresponds to reality, is so valuable. Let's Let's look at it this morning. Why is the truth so valuable? Number one, the truth is the only means to salvation. It's the only means to salvation. Without the truth, you can't go to heaven. 
Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, in whom also ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth. It's critical to people being saved. And there's nothing more important in the world than people being saved. And key to that is the truth. Who is to guard that truth? You and I. Who is to proclaim that truth? You and I. Who is to defend that truth? You and I. But it doesn't stop there. The truth is not only the only means to salvation, it's the only means to sanctification. Sanctification means cleaning your life up, getting all the bad habits and the the addictions out of your life and leading a, a, a holy, pure life. The truth is the only means to sanctification. John 17, 19. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Sanctified through the truth. It is the word of God. It is the truth of God that saves us and sanctifies us. There's nothing more valuable in this world. Number three, the truth is the only means to authentic worship. God is a spirit, John 4, 24 says, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Number four, the truth is the only means to find true freedom. John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see how rich this is? You see how valuable this is? Are you beginning to understand the 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 breadth and depth of our responsibility here because it is the church that is the pillar and ground of the truth not the government not the military not labor not management it is the truth number five the truth is the only means to find real joy first corinthians thirteen six: rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in the truth you can't have rejoicing outside of the truth Everything else is vanity. Number six, the truth is the only means of hearing God. John 8, 18, 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am king. To this end I was born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. If you're not hearing the truth, you're not hearing God. If you're hearing truth, you are hearing God. It is that simple. And who bears the responsibility to be the pillar and ground of the truth? And then number seven, the truth is the only means to pure love of the brethren. First Peter one twenty two. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Truth is tied in with unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. The truth is the only means that you can have pure, unadulterated love one for another. So you see how much is riding on the truth? Well, that then we, we, we now know what the truth is. The truth is that which corresponds to reality. And of course, that was Jesus in the flesh. And now it is his word that is the truth. And we know that we are to be pillars and the ground of the truth. Okay. So let's ask another question. Why? Why, why is that necessary? 
Why do we have to be conscious of this fact? Why do we have to work at it? Why do we have to commit ourselves to it? Why do we have to be willing to to make sacrifices if necessary? Because Satan would have us believe lies. And he works very hard at trying to dispel and diminish the truth and to promote lies. He is doing his part to promote lies Therefore, we must counteract that by promoting truth. John eight forty four, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it, and he is doing his dead-level best to speak lies through media, through every source imaginable. So the truth is constantly coming under attack by Satan himself and influencing this culture to get people to believe things that are not true. To get people to believe that there wasn't a creation. To get people to believe that the earth really, in comparison to what they teach, is is young. These are all lies that he is spreading. Somebody has to defend the truth. Somebody has to be the pillar and the ground for the truth. So why must we be a pillar and ground for the truth? One, because Satan spreads lies. But secondly, because lost men prefer lies to truth. They want to, because of their sinful nature, believe lies. Romans 1.22, talking about unsaved mankind. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their minds to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. It's for those reasons. Because truth constantly comes under attack, both from Satan and from sinful men, that there's got to be men and women, young and old, who know the truth, believe the truth, and who live to, to protect and preserve the truth. Say, so, okay, last question. We know what truth is. We understand why we have to defend it, because it is constantly coming under attack. How do we defend it? Well, Spurgeon, in his message on this topic, saw the answer to be in the way we are described. The church being described as the pillar and ground, or pillar and foundation. The pillar standing on the foundation, pillar and ground of the truth. And in one of his messages, and I'm not repeating his message here, but these next three points I give him credit for, but the information behind it is from, from me, except where I quote him. He says, look at pillars and consider pillars and their form and their function, and that will tell you how we're supposed to operate. Because he says, church, you are the pillar and ground of the truth. Okay, we're the pillar and ground of the truth. 
what's the form and function of pillars? Because if that's what we are, that's what we need to be. Number one, three things, we're done. As pillars are beautiful to hold up buildings, and they are. You look at the Parthenon and other ancient Greek buildings. They're just beautiful with the beautiful pillars. As pillars are beautiful to hold up buildings, buildings, Christians are to be beautiful to hold up the truth. Now, we're talking about how you can be a pillar and ground of the truth, okay? As pillars are beautiful to hold up buildings, Christians are to be beautiful to uphold the truth. Here's what Spurgeon said. Again, a church is intended by God to set forth the truth with beauty. For in a temple, pillars and columns are meant for ornaments as well as for service. A living Christian is the best ornament of Christianity. God's service should be performed in beauty of holiness. For this next year, for you to accept your role as a pillar and ground of the truth, You must demonstrate righteousness through separated lives. Not always easy, and sometimes we falter. But our goal, nonetheless, should be to live lives that are righteous, to show the beauty of God's righteousness in us. So in 2018, I'm giving you this challenge. Guard your testimony. That is one of the ways you give credibility to the truth of God's word. In 2018, be ethical, honest, and moral in all of your public and your private dealings. If you and I are going to be pillars of the truth, we must, as pillars, display beauty. We must display beauty of holiness and righteousness. It doesn't matter that everybody else lies about this or that. Or that everybody else does it. Or everybody, nobody's honest on their income tax or what have you. And it's just the way the game is played. And people say that about so many things today. No. If we're to be pillars and grounds of the truth in 2018, we have to be ethical, honest, and moral, whether anybody else does it or not. That is my challenge to you. Maybe in the past you've been prone to tell a little white lie here, not be honest in this dealing here completely, or to withhold some information. No, you need to change. You need to be a pillar and show the beauty of God. Number two, as pillars are bold in strength to support the roof, Christians are to be bold in strength to support the truth. Again, if I can quote Spurgeon, Once more, it is the church's business to maintain the truth with all her might. She is is set as a bronze wall and as an iron pillar against all error. However men may cringe or or bow, there stands the column, fast and firm, fixed on its pedestal, set on its base. So should the church in all ages stand fast to truth and yield to no error, nor concealment of doctrine, nor change of ordinance. And yet all around us, that's being done today. Churches are throwing away doctrine, they're throwing away ordinances. For us to be pillars in 2018, we have to do as the Bible says, Seek the old paths. Resist the temptation to embrace every new fad that comes along for the simple sake of acceptance. 
In 2018, I'm challenging you not only to be moral, ethical, and honest, but I'm challenging you to defend the faith. Speak up for what is true. Whether it's the coffee break at work and everyone around you is putting down on God and the Bible and Christianity, you will speak up. In so doing, you will be a pillar and ground of the truth. Whether it's in the workplace, whether it's with unsaved friends, that can be a challenge. An even greater challenge would be be bold for the truth and be a pillar for the truth when you're around family. Sometimes your family can be the most outspoken and the boldest critics you'll ever come up and face. And you can either wither and, and, and not say a word, or that is better yet, an opportunity for you to be the pillar and ground of the truth. As pillars are beautiful to hold up buildings, Christians are to be beautiful to hold up the truth. As Christians are bold in strength to support the roof, Christians are to be bold in strength to support the truth. And lastly, number three, as pillars are beacons seen and admired from a distance, Christians are to be beacons for the cause of Christ. Spurgeon again said, the church should be like a lighthouse, which is often built as a tall pillar to bear the light at its summit. And like a memorial column which bears a statue upon the top of it, she should lift up the truth of God before the gaze of all men. For us to be pillars of the truth, we have to be beacons. We have to proclaim the truth. In 2018, we have to let our light shine for our faith. Your your light is shining this morning because you're in church. Neighbors know that you're not home. Family knows not to call because you're in church. That, that's a beacon shining. The, the, those that come on, on Wednesday nights, that, that's, that's a beacon. That's, that's, that's adding light. Those that are here for Sunday school, your light shines brightest when you're faithful to church. You, you serve the church and you, and you give to the church and you support the ministries of the church. So if you want to know our relationship to truth. Paul was very clear with young Timothy. He said, think of it this way. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. What kind of pillar are you? As you go out this next week, in the workplace, at school, with family, with friends, and you meet hostility, you meet criticism, Paul isn't suggesting that you be proud and arrogant and boastful and obnoxious. He's talking about simply humbly and lovingly and beautifully standing for the truth. One last quote from Spurgeon. In the confession of the church made by each one of her members, in the teaching of her ministers and in the witness of the whole body, truth will be found at all times. The church of God is not the quicksand of the truth, but the pillar and pedestal of it. She is not the floating island of the truth, but the eternal column of it. The church stands steadfast and unmovable as a pillar of truth fixed on its base. Now Spurgeon said that back in the late 1800s. The problem today is many columns that have held the truth are beginning to weaken and crumble. In denying doctrine, 
In denying doctrine, you're denying truth. In changing doctrine, you're changing truth. And you are believing lies. Some individuals, some churches, have to stand for the truth. You must embrace your responsibility. This year, you will be a pillar of one sort or another. When faced with the opportunity to proclaim the truth, and you are quiet, or you compromise, or you simply try to avoid the situation, the truth suffers. We need to be, this next year, pillars and grounds of the truth. If we're not pillars and grounds of the truth, then my vision that I'm going to cast for us next Sunday doesn't really matter. It's it's on quicksand. But it does matter, and it matters because we are the pillar and ground of the truth. Again, truth is that which corresponds to reality. The world and Satan is not going to give you the truth. Your flesh is not going to give you the truth. It is worth working hard for. It is worth sacrificing for. It is worth dedicating yourself for. And if some of you have been fluctuating, well, I come some Sundays, I don't come other Sundays, I come when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, you can do better. You can do better. I know we have problems. I know I'm not the perfect pastor. Guess what? You're not the perfect congregation. It goes both ways. (laughs) We can all agree on that? (laughs) I don't know how to take that one, Jamie. I don't know if that was a good amen or a bad amen. (laughs) I'll take it as good. See, I, I used to just come every now and then. I used to just, I don't give, I don't pray. I, wait, this is growing. Next year, be stronger, be more faithful than you were last year. And that's a sign you're getting it. That's a sign that you're growing. And the church's light will shine brighter and the pillar will be stronger. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.